I'm Mel. And I'm Tosh. And welcome to another episode of Mahogany Mammology, an online dialogue pertaining to the concerns and carefree parenting of Black motherhood. And this episode is brought to you by GXA. GXA is an IT solutions provider that builds stronger businesses and stronger communities. GXA prides itself on giving back to the underprivileged, not only within the community, but internationally. We have the pleasure of continuing the discussion about IT awareness and diversity with its co-founder, Dr. Alicia Makaye. Dr. Alicia Makaye, she's actually the A, quote-unquote, in GXA, and we'll get to that in a moment, mm-hmm. is a philanthropist, entrepreneur, and co-founder of GXA. Dr. Makaye is a U.S. Air Force veteran. Thank you for your service to our country. Yes. And graduate of UT Dallas with a Ph.D. in public affairs. She is an alumni of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Entrepreneurship Program, Cohort 10. Under her leadership, GXA has collected and donated over 100 computers to the Imani Bridges that to empower men and women in Nigeria. Most recently, Dr. Makaye was recognized by Dallas Business Journal as a 2019 Minority Business Leader for her leadership and contributions to the community. When Dr. Makaye is not running the business or volunteering, she is attending Dallas Mavericks basketball games with her children or going to hockey games with her husband of 17 years. Or, you know what, jet skiing is just her favorite vacation leisure activity. (laughs) Welcome to our show, Alicia. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. So we're going to... Dive right on into it because mm-hmm. there's like 5,000 million questions I can ask you. But um, we typically start our show with a mahogany mom of the week. Um, and in this way, we try to basically just give roses to, to a mom. Um, is there a mom in particular you would like to recognize or give roses, as they say, verbally? Yes, it is. Her name is Rebecca Gray, and she is my mother. Okay. Okay. All right. Yes. 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 She's my number one inspiration. Um, My mom had me when she was a teenager, uh, and being a teenage mom has a host of issues, including the lack of experience, lack of education, lack of financial resources. It just goes on and on. But for her... She actually, you know, her just a little. Can I share a little bit about her story? Of course, okay. yes. Okay. Yes. So my mom hid me uh, because she was a teenager. Hid hid the pregnancy from her mother for eight months. So I was hidden in her womb for eight months. And by the time that my grandmother actually found out that she was going to have a baby. I was, you know, basically scheduled to come out the next month, which was June. And so um, I am so proud of my mother uh, because she she did not, she didn't get rid of me. She hadn't, you know, back then in, in the 70s, it, you know, teenage motherhood is, is definitely not looked at like it is now. Mm-hmm. Now they have shows about it, mm-hmm. um, and they talk about it a little bit more. But back then, it was it was a lot of shame that came along with being a teenage mother. And so my mother had every single statistic working against herself, and in, including myself. Uh, you know, statistics, you know, whenever a mother of a t- 
18, you know, when a teen mother has a child, the chance of them finishing high school is only 40%. Mm-hmm. I don't even know yeah. if y'all are aware of that. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. So my mother actually finished high school. So that's a really big deal. And then the chances of the child even basically even going through school and repeating a grade is 50%. They're more teenage mothers, children are 50% more likely to repeat a grade um, compared to mothers that are born to old, children that are born to older mothers. So for my mother to actually stay the course and, and now you go full circle and you see what I've accomplished and that my mother finished high school and she had a child that ended up having a PhD. Mm-hmm. That's why my mother is my inspiration, you know, because of the fact that every single weekend she stayed the course. She did not give up on me. We started off in a little bitty square foot, 1,000 square foot home, and she turned that home into a classroom for me. She was continuously teaching me about credit. She was teaching me at 11 years old, I was driving, and it wasn't because she wanted to teach me that. It's because she had no other choice because me and her, that was it. Mm-hmm. That was all we had. Mm-hmm. So my level of responsibility to, toward my family and toward my mother was so important and essential to her survival. So I had to learn at a very early age the level of responsibility that most kids are not put into situations um, you know, today and to having that level of responsibility. So my mother would be considered my unsung hero. Um, She, she, even though she hid me, she cultivated me and molded me for a moment of such of this, such as this in my life. And she gave me a better life by giving up hers. So that's why my mother is my unsung hero. Mm. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I don't even want to ask my next question. Yeah, I know. Really I flow that, in that right? Like, how do you segue from there? Yeah, I can't go into that next question. <laughs> the question I wanted to ask. So let's jump around. Yeah, that. yeah. Let me jump around that. <laughs> um, we'll come back to it, but I can't. I don't feel comfortable segueing well, that. Um, let's dive in. Discuss. Um, you don't just own a company, but you own a building. Yes. How does a small business owner go from that, like, that's like, feels like it's two ends of the spectrum to me. How does that work for you? Like, what's that about? Well, let me give you a little bit of background about what's happening in the industry with African-American women and being business owners. African-American women are at, are are starting businesses like none other. Yeah. At the highest rate in history ever. We are out there making things happen on our own. We're basically hiring ourselves. That's what's happening. And whenever you're a small business owner, one of the the key challenges, and I I don't know how this is going to work out for the future of African-American women because I've been owning a business for over 10 years. So I've been out here for a little while trying to get my hustle on. And so one of the key challenges that women or even just any small business has is access to capital. Right. Yeah. That's a that's a big huge challenge that we have. And so and it and it takes time in order to build a relationship in order to gain access to capital. So I want to kind of educate 
the listeners on how do you gain access to capital? Because the, the question that you ask about how do you own a building, you own a building by getting access to capital. Right, okay. Because okay. you have to have a large amount of capital available to you, which is very, very challenging to do for a small business. Mm-hmm. And so... I, you know, some of the things that that I, some of the takeaways that I, you know, get out your pen and paper if you are a small business owner, because I'm gonna give you some real nuggets. I'm gonna drop some nuggets on you in regards yeah, let, let them know. To, to owning, you know, owning a building. First of all, owning a building is a huge responsibility. Um, prerequisite to owning a building, I've been into real estate for quite some time. My family, my grandmother was into real estate. Uh, this is, you know, on the uh, personal. Um, Real estate, not commercial real estate, right. residential real estate. Okay. So my family is has a long history of dealing with multiple houses at one time. Because, and the reason why I'm bringing that up is because going into the commercial space, if you don't have some level of comfortable uh, or experience being around real estate, it could be a little overwhelming for you. But prior to that, prior to even getting the building, you got to have good credit. And I know the 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 motto in the past is like black people don't like to pay people. I don't know. Is that true? I don't even know. I well, don't know. Cash is king. Cash yes, is king. Cash is king. But however, credit is is just as big as cash because of the fact that credit gives you the ability and the mobility to make decisions that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to make if you didn't have access to it. You may have the cash, Mm -hmm. but you need the credit in order to go into a larger scale area that you may not have been able to step into because who has unlimited amounts of cash? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Oprah. The 1%. Yeah. 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 Most of us don't have unlimited amounts of cash. And as well as when you're operating under credit, especially with the bank, there is a level of protection that the bank brings to you. So when you're when you're actually borrowing millions of dollars from the bank, the bank is going to have a financial interest as well as a in my case a commercial interest in making sure that you don't get uh, kind of messed around with your money mm-hmm. dealing with all these commercial defaulting. contractors and yeah. defaulting. There's a lot of things that in order for people to do business with me, you got to come to me and meet the bank qualifications, not my qualifications. And these are qualifications that I didn't make up in order to protect the act, the assets, which is mean, it means mm. to protect the actual building. Right, right. So, so the bank is going it, to, it is good to have good credit. Good credit is kind of business 101, not only on the, on the commercial side, but also on the personal side. And a lot of people don't understand when you own a small business, your personal credit is at stake as well as your business credit. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to have purchased the building, they had to look at my personal finances and they had to look at my business finances. And I had to bring it all to the table. Every single thing that I owned, I had to actually put it on the table because the bank wants to know what can they leverage if you default on this loan. Mm-hmm. What, what what can you, you know, because in Texas, you can't take your, your, uh, your primary property, the, your homestead. You cannot? You cannot. 
Okay. You can't take the homestead. Mm. So therefore, you got to have something else oh, to, yeah. to leverage. So if you default on the loan. So paying your bills is the very first thing to having or getting access to capital, um, you know, on a personal, basically on a larger scale. And then you got to have a good business plan. You must be able to pitch your idea to the bank. The bank is your friend. And you got to be able to sell your idea to them. Even though we had been in business for over 10 years, yeah. I still had to have a business plan. So so can we dive into that just a tad bit? Because there are people who probably like own barbershops. And I say shops, mm-hmm. but they don't own the building. Smaller scale. The smaller scale businesses. Com- commercial residencies, so, I guess. Yeah. Yes. But it doesn't mean they can't go own their building that they're housed out of. You, you're saying that you still have to come back and have a business plan. Yes, even though we're in, we were doing well. We're in in business. Um, we we made Inc. Five Thousand this year, 2019 and 2014, fastest growing, smallest companies in the nation. And I still had to come to the bank and convince them as to why you should give me money. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm making money, they have to make sure that you're a good steward over your money and over your finances. And so that's why it's so important that you that you basically, you know, you have a plan. And then they wanted to know why. Why do you need access to capital? It's important for you to tell them your who, what, when, where and why. And so I had to actually give them a marketing plan as to how I was going to continue to market my business to bring in revenue. And then I had to show a, a you know a long-term standing level of having revenue coming in to our organi- organization. Building credit really takes time and it's no way to get around it. Like it took it literally took us 15 years to get to this point. We do have a good bank relationship. Mm-hmm. Staying at one bank is very important. If you are constantly jumping banks, you're not building relationships. Having a bank is not just about the money in the bank. It's about the relationship. And so I actually have a relationship with a uh, a business banker, and he does nothing but focus on uh, relationships for small businesses. What does that look like? What is What do you mean by having a relationship? Are you saying going into the bank once a week and having a face-to-face? What does that mean for the small business person? All of it. Go. Going into the bank. Like there is one bank that is located in, in Dallas that they know our face when we walk in. They know exactly who we are. Uh, the reason why I say that is because once you start dealing with large scales amount of money, and if you walk into a bank with a with a check with so many zeros on it, right. and they don't recognize <laughs> right. you, it could be very problematic. I would think the <laughs> like you should know me may want to find out who exactly you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, these zeros are legit. Legit. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> legit yes. zeros. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've been you on pay both your taxes. I've been on both sides <laughs> of the table. I went and you know, walked into a bank with a, you know, a large, trying to cash a check and the whole, the, the whole bank best stopped. Like, what, what, who, who, you, who, where are you? You know, so I had to explain to them 
I don't want to Did they walk this. you into the office? Yes. They sure did. <laughs> yes. Come have us come out the teller line, lady. Ask, ask me how I know. <laughs> and I'm like, yo. Yeah, you said to come out the teller line one day, Tosh? For a good reason? For those zeros, there's no teller line. Yes, yeah, so I'm saying you need to come out the teller line. You need to go to the come have a seat. seat. You Would want you? some coffee? Yes. Right. And a mimosa? Yes. I have deposited. It has taken me a long time to deposit a large amount of money. And okay, I tried yeah. to get my money out, and they pulled me in a room and started interviewing me. Exactly. About, oh, my money. about your money. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Wait a minute. Yes, ma'am. If you look at the history, I've been I've been saving this money for over 10 years. They girl. don't. And? <laughs> oh, and? So now you fast forward that. That's why I said it's good to be and to want, walk into that same bank all the time so they can understand mm-hmm. who you are and they know that you're not there you know with alternative motives mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we do have a we have relationships not just with lenders in the bank for the loans but we have relationships with community people that are in you know that are part of that particular bank okay so the teller the teller needs to know your name hello such and such how are you today and then also, if you have any questions with the bank, you know how sometimes you have to sign a piece of paper sure. because they, they want you to go over and talk to the person sitting at the desk. Mm-hmm. You need to have a desk person, like a relationship with somebody sitting at a desk. Mm-hmm. That's not the teller. Right. If you just got the relationship with the, ta- the teller, that teller may be sick that day. Right. You know? Right, right. right, right. <laughs> so, you, so you want to have multiple relationships with bankers um, in order to be <laughs> able to, to access capital. And this takes time and years to build. And I didn't even know I had a good banker. I, my banker kept showing up to my office, y'all, twice a year. And I said, why do you keep coming over here? Like, oh, why? so you got visits. Yes, I got visits. Like He kept coming to my office. I was like, why do you keep coming over here? Just to say hi. And he was like, make I'm sure just you coming keep to check just on you. To make sure the business is still legit. Standing. I mean, I, that's the real. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, see, I, don't, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> to, I make sure, to make, make sure, sure that's that it's, GXA on that it's door. an actual building. <laughs> that we're still operating. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't have time to think about, think about why he kept coming, but he kept coming to my office for over 10 years. Make and sure, he is yeah. the one who came to me and said, Alicia, you need to buy a building. I oh. Said, huh. You're my banker, and you're telling me to buy a building. And he was like, yes, I mean it. I said, are you serious? He said, yes. He said, I know what your numbers are in your bank. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you do, don't you? (laughs) And so I said, well, let me tell you this, because we were on the market looking for a lease. I said, well, if you find a building for me, I'll buy it. He said, okay. He walked out of my office found a commercial real estate building that was near the space that I was leasing, took a picture of it, sent it to me. This was like less than 20 minutes after we had had this conversation. Oh, so he already had the plan. And so I yeah, sent it. Yeah, he was ready. He yes, was I ready? sent it to my realtor because I'm in. I'm in already in the market. I have a realtor. That's another thing. You need to have a relationship with a realtor as well. I had a realtor. We were looking for spaces. So I sent the picture to her and she said, Alicia, I, that building has already been sold, but guess what? I have a person in my office that's getting ready to put a building on the market, and he, and I'm going to see if I can find out more information about the building. Lo and behold, the building that that someone who walked into their office that was getting ready to lease it, I mean, list it for sale, we had the same commercial real estate companies. 
So mm-hmm. I was in the market for leasing. Somebody was about to put a building on a sale, getting ready to list. Mm-hmm. So mm. then my realtor comes to me before the building even went on the market yeah. and said, we have a building that's about to hit the market. Are you interested? She said, I cannot give you um, give you access to the building, but I can give you the address. And so, and I said, well, can you give me the price? <laughs> and I said, just let me know the roundabout price. I call my banker. Y'all remember this bank, mm-hmm. banker that I've been having this relationship for 10 years? I call him. I give him the price. He knows my finances back and forward. He then sends me a pre-approval letter to send to her in less than five minutes. So the pre, I send the pre-approval letter, letter to the realtor. And she said, what? I said, I have been approved. She said, you have to be kidding me. She said, are you serious? I said, as a heart attack, I am dead serious. First of all, less than 25% of small businesses own their own building. Yeah, that's what I was going to be a question I was going to ask you. Like, that's what I was like, is, was she surprised by the, I guess, the timeliness of it? Or was she surprised that as a minority owner that you were able to... Acquire, yeah, I that. See, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if she, you know. I, th- I think it was just because I got the pre-approval. So I really quickly. think, it, yeah, because she, small businesses don't, don't go get, from this to this. Yes, like they that. have the pre-approval, but the, but the, what you didn't, see, what she didn't see, is all of my prerequisite relationship building mm-hmm. that my banker had always been coming to my office. He had been checking my numbers. Um, we had just went through a big loan process because we had uh, just purchased equipment to move all our clients to the cloud, uh, you mm. know, because we're an IT industry. And so I had just went through a a, a, a smaller scale loan. Sure. And so he knew, he had all of my stuff accessible right then and there. Wow. And he was able to go and get me the pre-approval letter okay. uh, right away. And they didn't ask him a lot of questions. But so my banker was able to vouch for me. And so, and tell them what type of business owners financially, you know, who we were. Mm-hmm. Because you need a banker to speak on your behalf mm-hmm. and to be an advocate for you. And so, I know, I, I know I've, I have dug deep into buying businesses, <laughs> commercial real estate, but I'm but telling y'all. But it's very good information, though, for the small business owner. And we do have those who listen to, to our show. And that's, um, you know, the beauty of it is, some of them have been, I'm just going to use hair and barbers for years because it's such a classic thing. Yes. That don't own their buildings. That might be in a building by itself. You know what I mean? Or um, that either they get defaulted on or get kicked out. And all this time they probably could have been owning. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I'm even like thinking about those who are getting into, you know, the hair, the nail salons or what have you and their businesses and going, Here's your chance, you know. Here, here's what you can do to think long term and to think different ways. And and really, for African Americans, real estate is one of the basic wealth builders, right? Yeah, and it just it's part is that should be part of a port a something in your portfolio. Just consider real estate. Real estate in Dallas is going to do nothing but go up. Period. Our, our market is hot right now. When I bought my building, it was only four buildings on the market for sale in Richardson, period. Mm-hmm. 
So the market is so tight in order to get commercial real estate. So if you have access to capital and have access to being able to secure real estate, therefore you're opening yourself up to a whole nother line of business because when, when the market goes down or when your business goes down, you have other ways to create revenue for right. yourself by leasing mm-hmm. the space. Mm-hmm. I do have, let me do a plug, I do have 10,000 square feet with the space for lease if you are in the <laughs> Richardson community. Let them know. Okay. <laughs> can, can be used for all commercial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm now in another, another whole it's other rental. business. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to allow someone else to come into my building. This is why real estate is so important and pay for my building. Yeah. They're going to help me pay for my building. Everybody is in real estate, whether you know it or not. You are either paying for a building or you helping somebody else pay for a building. Okay. Amen. Uh oh. I mean, for okay. real, though. All right. Speak, speaking um, of uh, paying for and um, <coughs> in local profile, you mentioned that you had learned that you should, that you should consider hiring a former drug dealers. Yes, yeah, so I want to clear up. It wasn't in Local Profile. Local Profile. Oh, my apologize. It, yeah, it is a ma- Local Profile is a magazine that I've been in uh, a few times, but this magazine was Collin County Local Moms okay. magazine. Okay, which, which goes well with the show that I'm on today. It was a mommy <laughs> magazine. It was a mommy magazine. So, what kind of what sparked that? So, one of the questions a, a part of the, of this particular magazine that they asked me is what What have you learned today? So I'm a business owner. I listen to Tony Robbins' podcast. Um, you know, and he's a real interesting, um, you know, entrepreneur himself. Mm-hmm. And but he's all about creating um, health and wealth for other entrepreneurs. And I'm listening to this podcast, and it came on. And this was the day. It happened to be the day that I sat down. And I was writing this piece for this magazine. And when I was listening to the podcast. This gentleman, he had a guest speaker on, and this gentleman comes on, and he says, you know what? I think business owners, and he says, my suggestion is business owners should really consider hiring former former drug dealers. And so, you know, I turned I turn the radio up. I'm on my <laughs> way to work. I'm in traffic. I got to hear this. I, I want to I hear this. And he, and he laid out his, his argument for this. So the five reasons that drug dealers make good employees. Come on. Former. Former. Come on. Now, when I say former, they need For- to be like the <laughs> like how she underlined in, in bullet points. Not current. Not current. Not current. Yeah. They need to be well, former. They need, well, to, be, they need to be delivering. <laughs> bring the five reasons. Come on. Because honestly, I personally feel drug dealers are very good entrepreneurs. See? Very good. See? Mm-hmm. Come on. Dr- I- Drug dealers. Ask, ask me how I know. Come on now. <laughs> Again. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. self-starters. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Come on, y'all. What y'all else? That. What else you said? You know, drug dealers are very resourceful and they pay close attention to details. <laughs> They understand the importance of remaining detail oriented while using re- unique resources uh, to be to be applied to their workforce. Y'all know that. Come on now, y'all know drug dudes got measure stuff and add things up. It's I'm thinking detail. about the show Snowfall right now. Well, I was going to say, especially if they're trying to give their product, the yes. product needs yeah. to be equal, yes. yet large enough, yep. and the supply, yeah, the, large the margins so that it spreads. You know, yep. a little. yes. Uh, drug dealers are ask typically how, aware. Ask how you know, Tosh? Yeah. Uh, we don't okay. want to talk about no, no we don't. personal <laughs> No, we don't. Drug dealers are typically aware of the do's and don'ts of marketing and understanding the importance of trends. Come on now. You, 
You know the drug dealer know when the economy is down. Off this high chair today. <laughs> and who got that chick when and where and how? They they know when to go market. They know when to go stand on that corner. Y'all know. Y'all they know where money is short. See, come on now. Okay, reason number four: drug dealers typically do not have problems speaking to strangers. <laughs> I mean, come on, y'all. They are good at selling. The ability to speak to others and market the product and deliver goods and services makes an awesome sales manager. And that's exactly what I was thinking. They'll be good managers. Yep. They'll be good CEOs. Let me see. Number five, drug dealers are in most cases driven to the job due to outside circumstances. While the money may be good, you know, and, and what most of them would prefer they welcome the opportunity to use their skills and settings where they are valued and not putting themselves themselves and their loved ones at risk. Contrary to the society perception of drug dealers, there is not much glory or even happiness in a high-risk lifestyle. Drug dealers will take a risk. Y'all know that. Come on now. we uh, The entire United States of America is doing some things behind the scenes. This whole entire black market they are taking risk. They are they are going under the ocean, in the air. They're doing all kinds of stuff to move this, to move this product from one one state to the next state, from one country to the next country. They build tunnels, mm-hmm. See, bu- building tunnels. Who in the world? Where they at? They put in the p- products and things you would never <laughs> they imagine. It, they put it in the tunnels and put it in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't they know? I mean, think about it. So, if you're a small business owner. This is this is the five qualities that I gave you right today. It. The self-starter, resourcefulness. These are all the things that you want in a good employee, for real, as a small business owner. I love this, it. This is, this is called the. This is you. Do, do y'all know that being a small business owner is nothing but a, a just a hustler? You're just a hustler. You're just yeah. doing it very formal and legally, and you paying your taxes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And if you have some of those hustle characteristics, that's what can create a level of something out, you know, nothing, something out of nothing. And so I hope I have convinced my audience and my listeners today as to why I have not found these former drug dealers <laughs> yet. I was going to say, I'm sorry, I haven't found them. Well, I, I haven't well, found them. Just... I'm looking for them. I'm hiring right now. Ooh. Come on now. Because they all, everybody need to be employed. For a purpose. To that? quote a, a very um, famous rap line, that the only thing that comes to my head is that we hustle out of a spirit of hopelessness. <laughs> See? So when you're hopeless, you're also very passionate, mm-hmm. you know, about getting something or anything. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Mm. So that's that's fun. Well, we I thank you it. for your five your five traits in, in in selecting drug dealers. You never Four know. Months. You might you might find a few. You may. I, I'm looking I was gonna say you never know what the next person has done in their past life. Hey, I, okay. I, look, I believe in Jesus. All about forgiveness. Okay. Come on now, restoration. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's take it back to the beginning, to the way beginning when when. Even having a, a company was just a, a thought, you know, it was just something. What made you decide, you know, what was the thought process behind wanting to even start a business? First of all, y'all, I was so young 
period. I mean, just period. I'm just going to put it on tape. I, I was really young, didn't think through this process whatsoever, had no idea what I was committing to. Um, I was in love with my husband. <laughs> Mr. George McKay, which I'm still in love yes, with. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Was, I was like, yes, 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 yes. And, and so at that particular time, he had this idea. We started the business on a napkin. He said, you know, he, he said. What is up with the napkins out that, there with y'all and your CEOs? Like, y'all just wrote things on napkins. That, we, well, we didn't, we, for real, we didn't have a pen because we were on American Airlines. We were flying to Las Vegas. We didn't have a pen. We had the, the napkin. Uh, iPhones weren't like you know like now you got notes and their iPhone all that wasn't in existence back then I think we were still on flip phone flip phones mm-hmm. when this was going on um, and then I don't even know if we were you know well, you were really turning your phones off and I, you know electronics off when you flew back then so we didn't have anything to write on so we had to ask to borrow a pen and we had a little, little peanut napkin and we wrote GXA on a napkin. Mm. And so, and it stands for George and Alicia. But, oh, okay. you know, but just to go back to say what made you aspire to do it, you know, and, and we were young. We thought mm-hmm. we could save the world. You know, we really wanted to impact people, people's lives. We didn't really do it for money. We didn't even do it to even start a, a business with employees. It was just mm. all about, you know, what Bonnie and Clyde could do. George and Alicia. Yes! It was just about us. You know, it wasn't about having a building. It wasn't about employees. It wasn't even about money. It was just like, we thought that we could make a difference and we wanted to give back and we knew that we wanted control of our time. Um, And so we felt like the best way to go about doing this was actually to start a business because we didn't want to have to ask people to take off to go on the mission field. Mm -hmm. And so... We, we, you know, he was like, I think I can do this on my own. And I said, okay, yes, let's do it. And so bef- the prerequisite before we started the business is one of the things that I, I, you know, asked him to consider is let's save up one year of income. Um, and so we did, we saved, and I was a teacher in DISD at the time. And so we saved up my entire salary for 12 months and we went down, we, we cut off cable um, I didn't get my hair done. It was no nails. We paid off every single thing that we owed to anybody. Um, we lived at the bare minimum. So we were a minimalist. We cut, I was clipping coupons. Those, I don't even know if y'all remember those entertainment.com books. Yes. Those books that kids the used to sell for $15 mm-hmm. for the fundraiser. Those were my best friends. So when we went out to eat, it was always buy one, get one free. Mm-hmm. And so we did a lot. I did a lot of coupon cutting. I was I was going to the store, picking up the Dallas Morning News. It wasn't all these coupons online like it is now. Mm-hmm. Like now you click online, they send you the coupons, you email, it wasn't all that. Uh, <laughs> get you in the door. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Well, none of that was happening. And so it was just old-fashioned. You know, we sat down, we we got committed about paying our tithes. You know, Jesus was all in this. You know, we were like, you know, we're going to put him first. We're going to go to him, go to our Heavenly Father and pray about it. And when when I say pray about it, meaning that we had already made up in our minds that we were going to do it. And, and so we just needed the 12-month kind of preparatory time sure. to, to walk away from our jobs, to put in notices. Um, we decided that we were going to buy a house before we actually got a business because we knew once we— once we walked away, that you had to have be on at that particular time, you needed to be on a job for so many years in order to qualify for a loan. Okay. So we, we yeah. were already conscious of credit and what we needed to purchase and and the risk that we were taking. And we knew that worst case scenario, we would lose everything and I would go back home with my mom. Like we we had planned that. 
we said, what's the worst thing that can happen? We don't have kids. Mm-hmm. We got both our cars. It's paid for. We got our furniture. It's paid for. We don't have any debt. So worst case con- thing is, okay, what if we, what if we actually, you know, don't make it? It's okay because we don't have any responsibilities. Right. We, right. Were, nice. we were just so young and so and so naive to what, you know, being a business owner was all about. And that's yeah. what allowed us to give us the courage and the risk that we needed because most people don't have that. They don't have the guts to do it. Right. And when you don't own anything, you're more risky. You have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. We have nothing, nothing to, lose. to lose. Right. You know, it's just you and him. Yeah. So it, we, nice. we were good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. I know you also mentioned um, equity. I'm not, not equity, but capital as one of the challenges mm-hmm. along your journey. Were there any other challenges you faced um, as you were, one, acquiring the building, and two, um, just even in the development of your company when you were younger? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's ha- Starting a business, y'all, from scratch, is, it is it is no joke. I know people say boss lady, lady boss, you know, hashtag entrepreneurship. First of all, if really people knew what it took to to really get to this point, I think a lot of people would go take several seats. No, no, yeah, I'm serious about on, that then. because the stress right. of owning your own business ain't no joke. The stress level alone can 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 really knock you out because of the fact that the more employees you have and you have more people putting uh, that you have to be responsible for and clients that you're actually having to provide service for it's it's a it's a balancing act because sometimes if you lose the employee you lose the client mm-hmm. and sometimes if you lose the client you lose the employee you know and so you're like what in the world is going on and so yes we have had a multitude of challenges it challenges your faith it challenges your marriage, um, even even your motherhood, because you you get tugged back and forth on. Oh my gosh, I need to be on this business call. I was one time I was supposed to meet with the mayor, and I got hospitalized because I was pregnant. <laughs> oh my! Not to laugh, but I mean that <laughs> is a mayor come visit me. Yeah, yes, mayor ain't gonna be there. I'm sorry, real quick. I, you know like, what? See you, what happened was, was yes. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> I'm pregnant. <laughs> Gotta go to the ER. Wow. And that was ma- it because of stress? Like just, I or had, you didn't really? I had, I, got, I had eaten something and gotten sick. Okay. And so oh. they thought it was preeclampsia. Oh. So that they, I called my doctor. They were like, you need to come to the ER right in, right now. I was like, I, I got to, I'm supposed to. I'm like, hold on. Hold on. I gotta, <laughs> can I come at 8.30? Because at 7. Can I come at 8.30? <laughs> yeah. We, I had to cancel the appointment. And I never got that appointment back, y'all. Uh, what? No. I didn't. Man. That's, that's, and that's the crucial point of, about business. There are some things that if you don't show up for, first impressions is everything. Mm-hmm. You don't get a second chance to make a first impression. I never got that second chance to make, you know, another impression sure. with the mayor. So, and, the, and that's the part of business that people don't understand that mm. the, the sacrifices that you actually, you know, set aside either because you're starting your own family and then you have to go back and forth. There are times when I would, I would be sick. This is, um, uh, what, what do you? The prenatal, the prenatal sickness. The, yeah, sure. Yeah. When yeah. you're pregnant, yeah. what is yeah. it? Yeah. The first trimester. The first trimester. First trimester. Just, yeah. just your yeah. I'm, I got meetings and I'm in my office throwing up, 
And then I got to wipe my mouth and go out and sit at the conference table and have a meeting that I'm supposed to be leading. Come on, y'all. That's not That's fun. real. That's real. That, that is, is real. real, time. real. My yeah. assistant got the trash can and trying to give me water and everything. It was like, you got to get out here to this meeting. And I'm like, okay, you know, we got to go. And so a lot of people don't understand those type of sacrifices that you make being mm-hmm. a business owner. Um, I, I have a couch in my office now because when I get sick children, I got to bring, you know, I, my kids got to come to work. Like, you got to come with me, boo. Come on. I got the blanket. I got the couch. So I, there are things that that most, especially mothers, you do not understand the sacrifice that if you are operating under an entrepreneurship not self-employed. Self-employed means that you 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 are you've hired yourself. You're delivering a service to someone, and if you don't go to work, you don't get paid. I'm talking about having employees mm-hmm. that are that are churning a a service or delivering a product. And if you if and 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 there is a point in your business where your business you're still driving the product or the service. And if you are not the one that's there that's driving it, and which is is very dangerous, and I and I do understand a lot of people could argue with me like you shouldn't do it like that. When you're an entrepreneur, you got to start from nothing. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a, a way that, and I know it, it sounds really great when, you know, when when big entrepreneurs come on TV and and they have all, they got their social media people lined up, you know, they got their, their salespeople lined up. But when you're a small business, you are everything. You the marketing person, you the mm-hmm. salesperson, you the person delivering the product. Then you got to go back there. So basically, you the one baking the cake, and then you got to go out there and sell the cake. Then you got to go do your books because you get you owe you owe the IRS every quarter. Yeah, I'm like that's kind of the same thing as self employed, being self employed, and, and it, sm- you it know. is. But when you when you add on. Yeah, the when other once you people. get other people, you add the element of other people. Yeah, other people. But on the startup of it, to me, I'm like as a startup of it on the on the ground, you are self employed while building an entrepreneurship. Yes. You know what I'm you, saying? You are. You are. You have all the same dynamics exactly. of having a business. Yes. Yeah. But except with the exception of you haven't added the people. So, right. Yes. So, so <laughs> try to make payroll, and you sick. <laughs> and you ain't got nobody to process that payroll. I'm coming been, to your look at me. I'm coming to your door. Yes. <laughs> where's, my, where's my money? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and your employees will curse you out if you don't have that change. I could imagine. Yes. And you may be laid up in the hospital. I, I have I've been there where an employee has said some very choice words to me and I can't walk. And I'm like, let me get to my computer. And you know that that type of stuff behind the scenes mm. ain't no joke. Yeah. And you like, you know, in your head you thinking, you are not this valuable that you are worth my health. <laughs> but they're thinking, wow. you need to give me my money. So all of that goes wow. behind the scenes of entrepreneurship. People think they want to be an entrepreneur, but it is no joke. It's a hustle. It is a hustle. Indeed. We read so many um, reports about Fortune 500 companies getting hacked out there. How does GXA, you know, help small businesses in that regards when it comes to, you know, with the services that you provide? Yes. And so a lot of small businesses, you know, the ch- first of all, let me give you a little bit of background. Small businesses are at the highest um 
I want to say the highest level of being hacked than any other business in the nation. And the reason why that is, is because most small businesses don't have the resources in order to put measures in place to prevent from being hacked. What's happening mm-hmm. in the industry now is cybersecurity ain't no joke. These, I don't know what's going on. I guess the people in the third world country, they ain't got nothing to do but to try to figure out how to get your money. And so they are taking this craft very serious. They are the big, I think the biggest threat, one of the biggest threats right now in our country is cybersecurity. They was if you, if y'all have not noticed, cities are being locked down due to ransomware. Have y'all heard of ransomware? No, I have. I have not. I have. Ransomware is where somebody can come in and hijack your information and and demand a certain amount of money in order to release your computer networking information system back to oh, wow. you. Wow. Mm-hmm. There is a city that is going through this right now. I'm not going to put the sure. city's name out there, but there are, it's a local city here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Right now, the city has been completely hijacked. And someone on the other line, on the other end of this is a no-face person is saying, we are demanding a certain amount of money from you, and then we'll give you the keys back to your operation. So, so what's Which hap- is still a possibility for them to come back again, though, I feel like. Yes. Well, typically when the people get the keys back to their operation, then all of a sudden now they, they want to put measures sure. in. Yeah. Preventative measures in order to be- prevent cyber security. Uh, or, or they want to put measures in to prevent the hacking. Okay. So s- small businesses need what is called um, security maturity assessments. And that means for someone to provide, to come in and to literally to do a test system uh, to find out where they're vulnerable at. Mm. Because anytime you're running a business, there are vulnerabilities that are in your network and someone actually needs to come in almost like they're a hacker and run tests to find out what areas that you're vulnerable and how they could hack your system. You could have employees, especially if you have multiple employees um, that are basically uh, putting your business at risk because of the fact that sometimes they may be on social media during the day. They may click on something and whatever they're clicking on may introduce something into your as a virus into your particular system. And so phishing right now is a very serious um, kind of Internet um Trend, yes, yes, where where people are sending emails, yeah, and and they're getting very savvy with these particular emails. Where they'll they'll create an email, it'll look like it comes from someone inside of your organization, and Mm -hmm. it will the. And you didn't, those famous Yahoo ones or asking well, for not your even, password. I was going to say or, one company I um I contract with they 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 do tests they do. Probably once a month, a phishing test. Yes. So we all yeah, are, we to, all yeah. are assigned, you know, the corporate email or whatever, and they will test to make to sure, see to who see, clicks on it to see who clicks on it. And I, I mean, they are serious about their IT. Yes. And so most businesses will, will, they will not invest or they don't know unless they got hacked that the, the that this threat of cyber. Uh, of, of, you know, basically cyber criminals are out there. Mm. And so most small businesses, and plus p- small businesses are so busy, it's kind of like changing, you know, you're running an engine and you're trying to change your tire in the, in, right in the midst of your engine. Mm. S- uh, s- s- IT companies usually are designed to maintain systems. Not necessarily, they're, de- they're not necessarily designed to protect your system. 
And so it's almost like, you know, when you have a house and you have, you know, your alarm and you put your alarm on, you say, okay, I got my little four digit numbers. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, I can put that alarm on. And if somebody tries to get in, it's going to make a noise. That's kind of like what is that's called that in the IT world, that's called a firewall. Okay. You know, basically, you're going to put up a firewall and it's going to make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. And so, but eventually, if nobody responds to that firewall threat, when somebody's trying to penetrate it, then the cybersecurity or the criminal, they can bypass your firewall. Keep and now, yeah, and they're in your house. Mm-hmm. And so, and it's the same thing as a, a security system on a house. Huh. Somebody, if, if the police don't come and you got this noise on your house. That's not really preventing the burglar from doing what they no. need to do. Burglar's like, well, They can still right. burglarize and, and roll out before... Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so most. Good luck to you. Yes. That's and that's what's happening wow. in the IT world. And what GXA can do is we go, we come into your organization and we do what is called a security maturity assessment, and to, for you to really see what your vulnerabilities are. You knew this is like this is just as important as having a relationship with a banker. You need to have a relationship with with IT company or or IT consultant that can kind of advise you in information technology. And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that the, even, even this is how important it is, even the bank can only insure uh, $250,000 of your money. Are, are y'all aware? Y'all aware mm-hmm. of that? Mm-hmm. That the bank... I, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yes, and so, I am very aware. <laughs> so if, if your money comes up missing out of your account and you have over $250,000, the bank does not yeah. have to give you that money back. That is that is the that's a FD, FDIC a regulation that right now that is out there. So if if so if if the cyber security, I mean the cyber criminal gets into your bank account mm-hmm. and sifts your money out, and we we've had this happen to a client, and because of the phishing attack, uh, it, it it is always it's one step after another. You know, once it's like they start with trying to recognize because social media is so popular now, so people can get you know access to your CEO. People are accessible everywhere now. They can get access to your CEO. They come up. They figure out your domain on your email addresses. You know, at you know the it, signature part, not signature, signature, but the uh, the, the way of it, how it's done, how it's done, and then they st- they start their. That's when the crime starts. And so before you know it, they're in your business. Mm. And it, the most important is what they want is they want they want your money. And so and once they get into your system, and a lot of people have passwords that are saved. Automatic, you can go into automatic on your computer. Once they get into your actual network and they start clicking on and figuring out where you're banking at, they just need one. They just need one. That's it. They just need one. So, and that's what we do as a company. We go in and make sure that you don't have these vulnerabilities. That that could possibly shut you down as a small business. That's why it's a big risk for you because as a small business, it can shut you down. If your target can afford to be hit. Maybe a couple of times by a cyber criminal. Right. Yeah. Small businesses can't. You will go yeah, down. Yeah, that's done. Yeah, it's, done. it's a wrap for you. And so that's why, you know, you mm. really need to have a good relationship with an IT company or an IT consultant and not just worry about, um, you know, the Johnny downstairs that fetched the mail is up here. you also fixing your computer and, and, you know, and doing troubleshooting. No, you need to really think serious about this if you're in business and if you want to stay in business because these cyber criminals are serious. Interesting. Very uh, interesting. Oh um, how many how many employees do you have right now? Twenty. 
I may be 21 today, girl. I don't know. It's Maybe. about 20. I was going to say, are, are you, did you hire somebody today? <laughs> One of the former drug dealers. It takes the a while. <laughs> I know, right? I'm looking for Come on. Come on, former drug dealers. And we pro- it takes about 35 people to run my operations on a day-to-day basis because of the... And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that um, we have a lot of um, contractors that mm, were, mm. you know, as far as keeping us up. Because we're a business 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And IT, you pretty much have to be. Right. Yeah. And so we have to partner with other organizations in order to make that actually happen. So we mm-hmm. have 20 full-time employees. Though. Okay. Wow. Are the kids actively in? Well, I know they're young. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I know they're, I don't know their ages. She's doing hackathons with them. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but well, I, mine are, are four, four years old and 11. Okay. 11. So, you know, what? Are you introducing them in into the STEM or into the IT? Well, or what, yes. What I did for my son is two summers ago, I think he was nine, I, I made him come to the office with me every day. Mm. And I, he was there every single day in the summertime with me. Um, I really wanted him to in, introduce him to what what we do inside of the organization because the number one thing for children that really, um, as parents, that we really need to do and give our children is exposure. Um, you you can't necessarily make a child, you know, start uh, into the computer mm-hmm. IT <laughs> world at, at ten, you know, or four, but you can give them exposure to it, and and they and they can be very subtle ways of exposure, you know. Uh, and for us, it's taking you know taking my son into a server room, you know, and letting letting him see behind the scenes of a server room and things like that. And so that exposure is really important for young children. Uh, really making sure as parents that we drive them to math and physics. Just this morning, I was I was in mommy mode, mm-hmm. telling my son get back over there and go do those fractions again. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm really big on math, you know, and so he, whether he likes it or not, mm-hmm. like, like, and then the, the little one, she's four. I was like, you need to go over there and write your letters this morning. Right. And so she was practicing writing her letters. By the time she got to E, she was into a meltdown. Um, <laughs> but that's what we do. You know, yeah. it has to be about education and educating our children to be ready for for whatever perspective field they're going into. What are parents and um, schools not doing to prepare their their child, their students to work for companies like GXA? Well, really, for, for parents, I want to say, um, you know, what they're not doing is really just exposure because other than when I say exposure, other than giving them an iPad or a computer, that you got to go beyond that and really um, look at. There's so many different things they have coding workshops, uh, and they offer this now. It's becoming very uh, accessible of coding robotics. Uh, inside the school, remember robotics is all about in- engineering. Right, it's mm-hmm. it's a form of IT, but it's it's really about building things. Uh, but however, having your children just having access and giving and putting them into that summer robotics class or that summer coding class. Mm. And so what I did for my son uh, last summer at UT Dallas, uh, they had a uh, a com- class where they give them a laptop and they have to actually build the laptop from scratch. Oh, and so and that and that's just it was all it was really for me all about exposure and then, and then he had to figure out how to make that laptop work. So they had to do a little bit of coding in order to be able to get the laptop to start coming on and pressing the power and getting that laptop to start doing things. Exposure and so for for the schools, I think what the schools are not doing is they're not partnering with businesses in order to uh, move the information, the curriculum in the right directions. 
information technology, IT is moving so fast that by the time the child may start learning about technology in the ninth grade, and we know this by our iPhones, by the 12th grade, that is outdated. Mm -hmm. And so the the information that's being delivered real time Mm -hmm. is a delay from the school to the business world. And so because cyber criminals are getting a lot smarter, they're funded, they're heavily funded, they they have access to information. They're they're moving a lot faster than than what we can actually keep up with on, on what to, to produce, how to learn, mm-hmm. you know, to keep up with what's going on in the IT world. Right now in Dallas Fort Worth, there are over twenty six thousand IT jobs available. So that tells you, as parents and as schools, we're not keeping up. So we have a we have a, a very high demand on technology jobs, but we're not producing enough people to go in those jobs. And qualified. So, qualified. Qualified. People, yes. Yeah. To, yeah. to actually be able to to fill this particular void that we're having. Because if if anybody hasn't noticed, notice computers are everywhere now. They're everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're in the refrigerator, everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so you need people that can troubleshoot these items. You need people that can maintain them. You need people that can protect them. We need people that can protect your information. And and this stuff is happening so fast. And so schools have to, you know, build that relationship with the business community so that it, everything that they're delivering to students is real time so our students can be ready for and prepared for the next generation. Mm-hmm. That kind of segues into the next question. Um, I was I was reading about basically as African-Americans how there's such a gap um, for us um, wanting even to break into the field, right, mm-hmm. of IT and be retained. And so um, whether it be, or STEM, I should just say STEM in general, but being that you are the IT guest, um, where I guess what do you think is uh, the fallout despite the programs, all the programs that are out there to expose our kids into IT and STEM? Now, when you say the fallout, like tell me I guess more. maybe the matriculation of it. So, uh-huh. like you know, you have a son that's eleven, yes. and so you know he may, you know he he's getting the exposure now, but I guess maybe as he goes along, it, you know, maybe the interest isn't there, or like you know why what. What do you think are other reasons, I guess, for him to not like stay on the path of IT? Um, really, IT. First of all, information technology world is a very tough field. It is one of the top ten most stressful careers that goes up there with the doctor. And the reason why that is is because you're constantly putting out fires. There's so much. the The industry is so overwhelmed right now with technology problems, and we don't have enough solution providers to actually deliver the amount of problems that we're seeing inside of this particular IT world. The information technology world is um, based off of, this is my observation. So I'm, remember, I'm just sitting in a very small scale. It's basically filtrated with a lot of people from other countries because other countries understand the importance of math and science. Um, and as well as so we have a lot of people that are coming from third world countries that are filling our void in information technology. And it's also filled with a lot of Europeans, a lot of white people. African-American people do not drive their children to technology. 
Um, most of the time on the weekends, where are we driving our kids to? Sports. 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 Mm-hmm. We, we, we are in the car, gun ho, jersey on. We got the black, the, the black makeup underneath the eye ready to go. Come on, Johnny, let's go. No, that's not. First of all, the chances of being a, and everybody knows the statistics, the chances of making mm-hmm. a, a, a for real career out of professional sports is like 2% or something. It's very small. And so we're not, as a, as a culture, we are not pushing uh, academics. You know, and, and it, so, now I'm just saying as a whole, is the trend change? And I do believe it will, the tide will eventually change. And then also in the suburbians, Black parents are all about academics. They go on above and beyond. But but when you're seeing more of the inner city kids, it's where they get their accolades. Kids go where they they get the most cheers from. Mm. You don't get cheers from standing in your in your room studying, and you don't have an audience. You don't have your parents who who is watching nothing but football every single weekend cheering you on about your academics. You have them cheering you on when you can run or you can do sports or you can that that's where you get your loudest applause from. So that's where you your drive will come from because that's what you see. That's your exposure. And so therefore, as as a culture where I would really like for us to see is to start celebrating ch- children in academia. I mean, and that's and, and and so the fallout comes in from that we don't have the the tenacity and the persistence in order to stay the course when it comes to academics. Mm-hmm. And so that's getting a PhD. That's about persistence, tenacity, um, being able to push through, being uncomfortable when somebody is telling you to sit down and read, and 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 learn and produce writing. And so that is not a, a area in the African American culture that is very much so celebrated. And I, I, you know, I hope that the tide eventually will change. That we understand that in order for our children to be gainfully employed, they need to be, um, they need to, they need to have their education. Period. Period. We need, we need children that can read, write, and do math. Mm-hmm. And that even if they do end up being uh, sports athletes. What sustains them beyond their sports is their ability to read, write, and do math because of the fact that that all is that all is the foundation. They do with that that retirement check. Yes, that is the foundation of building financial wealth, generational wealth. You gotta have someone who understands just the basics of the economy. You know, uh, economics 101, supply and demand, and those things are not celebrated within our culture of understanding the the you know basically how the dollar works and how it operates and and having the ability to generate your own wealth and and, and we I, I really hope that the tide changes and that's why I believe that African Americans are not going into the information technology field mm-hmm. is because it's not it's not celebrated it's not looked upon it's shunned upon you know as as far as and I don't want to say shunned I, I want to say it's not highlighted and we don't have the exposure and you don't ever see black people in IT. No. So that goes to <laughs> another question. Why is it so hard to say? I do have a son that's intrigued and he's not in sports and he's in college and he has a college degree in, in you know, either IT or computer science or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, but still struggles with breaking into the technology world. So, you know, you know, what's what's the deal with that? Why is that such a thing? You know, why why are we still struggling despite even having the degree? 
Um, not and I mean this is yeah, just not a not general yet. question. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I and I do think that the struggle is real. And what I've seen, you know, by hiring, and, and I'm just going to speak to my experience. What I've seen that has happened in the professionalism of, of African Americans, young people, um, is that we don't understand the corporate culture language. Um, we don't. We're not able to navigate real easily through uh, the corporate culture because we are minorities. And so by being a minority, we do have challenges of when people don't know you, they don't trust you. And I don't care how much we we try to um, change the tide of what people think about us. There are still perceptions of what African-American people are like in, in the corporate world. Uh, and even my experience of just really, you know, hiring African-Americans and over the years, one of the, the key things that we lack, and this is even with people that I do give an opportunity for that have that computer science degree, one of the things that we lack as a, as a people is ha- just the understanding of the corporate environment and, and understanding that when you when you are operating in that environment, there is a certain language that you have to speak. And it's not all and, and and I believe that this particular language is not being taught to our young people. How to build relationships with people that don't look like you is very important when you're in the corporate environment. And I can honestly say as a woman being in IT industry, I still struggle with these things. Yeah. I have a PhD. Right, Education right. did not prepare me, y'all, for what I'm dealing with as an entrepreneur and being in the IT space. It is no joke. And so I still struggle to get my voice heard, you know, in, inside of the industry and the information technology industry because people have their perceptions. And you have to press through all of those perceptions in order for people to trust you. And it takes years mm-hmm. For people to trust you. So it that, the the corporate relationships for young people, networking, getting to know people. I didn't even know that pledging was so important. I had no idea. I don't even know are you are y'all are y'all Greeks? We're not, but I, I am not Greek, but, but we understand yeah, we, we see where you're going. Yes, I didn't, yeah. know, I didn't you know, know the importance of that. Yeah. I yeah. That's That's a whole other 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 topic. Other, yeah, 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 I was like let yeah. me pause on that. <laughs> yeah, but, but but the importance of the yeah, yes, it's the a, structure it's of the it, relationship, oh, the relationship, the relationship complement. building, and having someone to really teach you before you walk into that environment is 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 imperative. And I didn't have that. And most and most African American people, we discount um, relationships of the people that are smart sometimes. If you're making money and you're running that ball, oh yeah, we want to we want to listen to them. But the people that that are called geeks or nerds, you don't want to hear from them. You don't want to talk to them. Don't nobody want to talk to Condoleezza Rice? These young well, people don't want to talk to I do too. I want to talk to her too. But these young, these young <laughs> people don't want to talk to her. But you know, I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, if it was I don't know, Young Jeezy. Or, I don't even know. Is that a rapper? Lil Wayne. <laughs> I don't know. But I bet you they want to talk to him. But, you know, they, and so do y'all, do y'all understand my point? I'm with I, you. I, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, people are probably nodding their heads if they're listening. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they're with yeah. you. They're with you. Um, if you could start GXA all over again, what would you have done differently? Oh, well, 
I, I want to say definitely. First of all, I didn't know we were gonna make it, y'all. Look, that, that's I'm, y'all know I'm from Texas, so I had to go. I know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I I really didn't. I wouldn't have never in a million years thought that this was gonna really actually take off. Like I thought by now we would probably been back on the job, and this itch that we had would have been gone. Um, but what I did, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You really don't. You don't know what you don't know. Words I say all every day. <laughs> you don't smell. <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And what I what I underestimated was um, documenting my processes. Mm. I underestimated the, the basically when you're starting a business and every time you're you're delivering a product. If you ha- in order for you to build onto you not delivering that product yourself, like you baking the cake, you need to write your recipe down step by step. And you need to tell somebody else step by step how to do it. Because when you don't do that inside of an organization, then you create tribal knowledge. And then you run yourself at risk of losing clients and employees. Because what happens is we grew so fast at such a rate, we didn't have time to document all of our processes down. Mm. So every time you have a new person come into your organization, it's like starting the company all over again. Mm. And I didn't, I did not know that I probably should have hired somebody to come in and shadow and document processes as as we were growing, we were documenting everything. Just do- that documentation because it it helps to create processes and procedures. So now I'm I'm in a car. I'm trying to change the tires and write down how to change that tire, and it is painful. It is painful to try to teach someone else a- as you're trying to deliver the service um, and take care of the employees and build a culture. Uh, you know, and go. It's it's hard to go back and do it. Mm-hmm. And so, when your revenue is less than a hundred thousand dollars a year, and you're not that busy, you need to be writing your processes down. Be, you need to be documenting. You need to be somewhere right writing your secret sauce. Yes, you need to be writing your secret sauce down. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Hmm. So I that's what it, I would do different. I love it. So, how would you balance work, family, philanthropy, or how do you? I I can't keep up with you. Um, <laughs> work, family, philanthropy, and self care. I Melissa, mean, first of all, I got a lot of energy. I, I don't just naturally. I, I bring to the table a lot of energy. Um, I'm a go getter. Um, I have a type A personality. That that's the makeup of who I am. And so I would definitely say, be yourself. Um, and but there in self means that there's going to be different things that you need that I don't need that I need versus you may need more sleep than I do. I may need less sleep. So therefore, you have to really understand, first of all, you be a student of self. That's what what you really need to understand from the very beginning. And so how I balance it is because I know what fuels me. I know where I get my energy from. My energy comes from not always being in the office working behind the scenes because it's it's brutal. It is brutal when you're behind the scenes because there's problems, it's breakdowns, it's always somebody on the urge of quitting. It's always something going on in the office, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so so my why of why I do this is so important. And that's what gives me energy. My why is because I still want to make a difference. I still believe that this little old bitty black girl from Sherman can change your life. You know, I I still believe it. I still wake up and be like, oh, I'm gonna change your life today. Oh wait, <laughs> you know. So and that fuels me. I get excited, and so when I give, 
and and I know that I'm changing somebody's life, then that's what that's kind of my energy go getter. That's mm-hmm. that's how I get my energy. But also on the opposite side of that, I run so hard I do have crash moments. Like crash moments mean like I'm gone for the whole weekend. I'm not good as a mommy. I ain't good as a wife. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm out. I like I'm in the bed. I'm through with everybody. Right. And yeah. then I got to restore and renew. And my husband think I'm crazy. And he's like, I don't know why you did all this stuff in the first place because you knew good and well that there was too much and you overcommitted. And I said, I got it done, didn't I? Just give me a moment. <laughs> I got it done, but not close the door. Yes. <laughs> I feel that. I feel yeah. that. In closing, what are three things you would like our moms listening to our show to take away? Um from your continuing narrative, um, moms, what I would like for you to take away uh, my, one of the one of the three things that I would like for you to take away is um, uh, be a teacher. My mom was a teacher at heart. She, even though she's she's not a teacher, but she's a teacher at heart. Meaning that she taught me morning, noon, and night. She taught me about Christ. She taught me about credit. Um, she taught me about boys. And she never stopped her lessons. She made everything a teachable moment for me. Being a teacher at heart is who she was. And I believe that's that's just who I am. I just I love just sharing information. My mom shared. She gave me truth. The, she gave me the truth serum, whether I wanted it or not. Um, that was that was one of the things that that really made me the woman I am today is by having that teachable being a teachable person at all times and knowing that your life is a classroom and who you invite in your classroom, basically, it's up to you, but definitely invite your children to sit down at your feet and learn, uh, you know, from you, from your life experiences. And then mothers, I definitely want you to do your best to take care of yourself. Uh, our health is, is the health is the new wealth. That is true. But it is so important because mothers, we, we tend to put ourselves last uh, because of we have children to care for. We have, you know, sometimes we even have our, our own parents that we have to care for. We have other family members that we have to care for. So if I can't tell you anything else is to do self-care. And self-care doesn't mean going to go get a pedicure and a medicure. Self-care means taking the time out and really understanding what your body needs as far as nutrition and as far as rest, as far as exercise, putting putting those things in your body, which are going to fuel you to keep going to the next level. My children need me. And I, you know, I don't want to go save the world and I can't, I, I, I lose my own children mm. or I, I expand so much energy out that I don't have anything for them. And so preserving part of yourself back for not only yourself but for your kids as well because you you are going to have to expand out a lot and so really understanding that life is going to always be out of balance sometimes things are going to be chaotic at home when the job is good your house may not be clean mm-hmm. when you got your meal cooked the dishes may not be washed but you got the good thanksgiving meal and so really <laughs> understanding there are some things that you just not gonna be able to do all the time. I mean, like literally, like you just not my desk at home. I got stacks of paper that I have yet to file away, and so I was like, "Well, I guess I get to it when I get to it." But there's there's just give yourself some grace, you know, that you understand as a mom, you're still a human being. You're gonna need rest. You need time to yourself. Uh, you may even need to take off some time. 
um, to be able to run this race. And remember, it is not for the 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 quickest. We ain't, we ain't going nowhere, moms. It's it's being able to run it for a long a long period of time and being able to sustain yourself so that you may be able to uh, deposit into yourself but also be able to handle the withdrawals and handle them with grace and ease. Cool. Appreciate the words of wisdom. Thank you. Where can we find you? Oh, yeah. You can find me on, you can go to my Instagram page, Alicia McKaye, PhD. You can also follow me on Facebook or you can follow the business on Instagram at GXA. Mm-hmm. As well as you can follow the business on Twitter, which is also called GXAIT. Okay. Um, or you can follow my husband. Okay. <laughs> you can follow the whole family. The kids don't, the kids don't <laughs> have a social media. Right. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> well, we thank you uh, for, for definitely um, working with George on starting the company um, and giving us some lessons so we can you know, build wealth in our families as well and, and can much continued success to you and your family. Thank you, Melissa. Company. You're Thank very you, welcome. Tosh. Yes, yes. Please check out additional resources about our guest mammologist as well as links in our show notes where you can find out more information about our topics as well as our sponsors. Let's continue the conversation through our listener comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. You can also email us at mahoganymomology at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Tosh. And I'm Mel. And we thank you for listening to Mahogany Mammology. Bye-bye.